Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is up, everybody? This is the Tokyo Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kevin Borda, and joining me is the lovely Sergio de Estrella. And today, we're going to be talking about some college football controversy, some teams who are for real or for not for real. That's probably not a phrase, but it is now. And then we're going to be making our weekly picks as we do every week. Um, We might throw in a little gambling tidbit as we both are avid gamblers. And I will say before we start this episode, um, I'd like to get a moment of silence for the parlay I had last, allegedly had last week. Legalized betting is not a thing in California yet. Um, But I may or may not have had hope that Hawaii could help me win $4,000. And they did not come through with the victory over Colorado State after leading 13-0. Um, this is why you don't trust teams traveling through two different time zones. Yes. Um, now, Sergio, it's time to talk about some more disasters that aren't our gambling records. Um, let's just go on all the way over to Texas A&M. Uh, the team is currently sitting at 3-4. and four. ESPN ranked them in their bottom 25 programs this season, which schools such as Charlotte, um, Hawaii, who I previously mentioned, Colorado State, and... Three of their top five or three of their top freshmen have been suspended for the second time of the season with receiver Evan Stewart, uh, Dayon Bowie, I believe his name is pronounced, Denver Harris. Mm-hmm. Um, they were also um, suspended before the Miami game for curfew violations, and now they are suspended again for, I believe, what was reported um, some mischievous behavior in the locker room prior to the game. But what does this tell you about where Texas A&M is at? And what does this tell you about maybe the new era of college football? I just, I just want to say this is my victory lap in terms of Texas A&M. I, like, I, I really just want to soak in the adoration of, wow, Sergio was right about Texas A&M from the first week of the season. I'm just so proud of myself, Borba. I really am because this Texas A&M team is a bad football team. I I think it it boils down to doesn't it's not that they don't have the talent. It's not that the defense isn't playing well for the most part. I think DJ Durkin have your opinions on him as a human being for, you know, his previous tenure as a um Maryland head previous coach. tenure as a head coach. Exactly. Yes, and Google Google that if you're not sure about what happened there. Um he he knows he knows ball. He knows how to coach a defense, and he proved that at his time at Ole Miss last season. He's doing that at Texas A&M this season. The issue is that Jimbo Fisher is stuck in 2012. I think I did. I think I did the same exact rant like a month and a half ago, Borba, on this mm-hmm. podcast. <laughs> I know I did it on Sideline Judgment, my Judgment, my other college football podcast. I know I've done it at GatorsWire.com in one of my columns earlier this season. I know I've done it here as well. But just so everyone knows. Jimbo Fisher's offense is stuck in the dark ages compared to what everyone else in the SEC and everyone else in college football is running nowadays. So he's only bringing it upon himself here. Um, I think it's very interesting what's happening over College Station, especially because his buyout is so absurd. He's not going anywhere this offseason. Like, as much as people may speculate that it could happen, if it does happen, I will gladly eat my words because they would owe him it's a fully guaranteed contract. Like they would owe him over like 85, 90 million dollars in a buyout. Like that's that's absurdity. And it doesn't have any offsets because typically when a coach gets bought out, there's a clause in that buyout that says, okay, let's say the buyout is $20 million. If you go and take a coaching job for five million dollars, and that means your buyout drops for to 15 million because there's an offset there. So you're still getting paid that money, but you're now that the school doesn't have to pay as much because it's being offset by the other job. There's no offsets in Jimbo Fisher's contract. It's just fully guaranteed no matter what. Um, it, it's interesting to see. It's going to get worse before it gets better because it's not like they're going to run the table. They're three and four now. It's not that they're going to run the table. They're going to lose more games. I don't think they, I'm not so sure they make a bowl game. Um, 
let's you want to you want to play the schedule with Texas A&M right now, Borba? Yeah, and while you pull that up, I just want to bring up some interesting stats because you talked about their deficiencies on offense. They're currently ranked 109th in scoring um, in the country. They also haven't scored over 25 points or over 24 points, excuse me, in nine consecutive games against FBS opponents. So they have been struggling Ooh. on offense, and it's only going to get worse because they lost um, their top receiver, Anaya Smith. Um, and they lost mm-hmm. Max Johnson, the quarterback, and they also lost Haynes King, who has struggling anyway. So now that puts in true freshman Connor Weigman, who is a five star, but there was a reason he wasn't playing. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they've lost. Well, he Weigman. is. To, to be fair, he is the guy that they're like. He is like their savior, apparently. Like he's supposed to be. He's he's the second highest quarterback recruit that Jimbo Fisher has ever signed, behind Jameis Winston, and. It went pretty well with Jameis Winston. He's so good. people are, are kind of optimistic about him. I just don't think it was his time to play this year was kind of what I was going for there. Like, I, I think agree. he was supposed to sit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's go over the schedule because I also have a point to make about, I think this is kind of representative of how Jimbo Fisher got these recruits, but I, I'll let's go through the schedule first. Okay. So they're currently three and four this Saturday. They play Ole Miss and not to step on our predictions at the end of the, of the episode, but I think we can both comfortably say we think Ole Miss wins this football game, right? Right, yep. Okay, so that puts them at three and five. They then have Florida um, the week after that, which it's yeah. not going to go well for my Gators this weekend. Yeah. But you look at AM, look at Florida. You yeah. tell me which you, which team you think is on a better trajectory right now, Borba. I'm going to let you say it because I don't want to I don't want to give off any perceived bias. Florida. You're going to go Florida in that game, right? Yeah. I'm sure it'll be a close, ugly Great. game. But I'm sure Florida will win. <laughs> I agree. I, th- I it's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. But that the issue with Florida is their defense. And if there's an if there's any offense that I feel is not going to carve apart the Gators, it's Texas. On remaining on our schedule, it's Texas. And I I have more confidence in. I'm more afraid of the Vanderbilt offense than I am the Texas A&M offense as a Gator. <laughs> Let's just put it like that. That's saying something. So that that drops them then now to three and six, three yep. and six, and their final three games are at Auburn. Yep. Which you need six wins to make it to a bowl. Game. Get, so they they would need to win three of these games. Well, all three of these since they the, they would need to win all three of these games in this scenario. I would give them the win at Auburn just because it's Auburn and it's one of those like who knows what's going to happen. A bad situation versus a worse situation. <laughs> Exactly. And I'll let you decide which one is the bad one and which one is the worst one. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's uh, after that, they got UMass. We'll give them we'll give them that win. So that puts them at five and six. And then the last game of the season, they're playing LSU. Hmm. At Death Valley. I don't or... think they're winning that football game, Borba. No. Uh mm-hmm. no, it's in Kyle Field. No, even worse. Their fans are gonna watch their hopes get. They're not winning that game. In person. Because that that's that's the game to that is... game. <laughs> Exactly. That is a five and seven season at best Four four and eight being a bit more realistic, depending on the Auburn game. Yeah. That is not what you want to see from a coach that you're paying a fully guaranteed hundred million dollars and had last year had the literal greatest recruiting class in the history of recording recruiting classes going back to like the early 2000s. Not Which great, I'm, Bob. I'm not glad, great. Glad you brought that up. Because, first of all, before we move on to this, um, Jimbo Fisher, his best season was the COVID year when they went 9-1. and one. Um, He did have a 9-4 and four season, but uh, Texas A&M has never amassed eight or nine wins with him. Excuse me. Um, another fun comparison is the Kevin Sumlin versus Jimbo Fisher comparison through 55 games. Uh, Kevin Sumlin was 39-16. and 16. Jimbo was 37-18. and 18. Uh, Jimbo is better uh, in games against sec opponents um he's better or no he's not he's 13 and 13 versus sec west opponents kevin was 13 and 12 uh kevin was 10 and 11 versus ranked opponents jimbo was 9 and 11 and then their bowl records were pretty much identical and they were paying kevin selling five million dollars and they were paying jimbo nine and a half million dollars per year which is pretty crazy but i've been kind of hinting at this recruiting thing and i think it's all obvious how Texas A&M got the number one recruiting class ever that Sergio just mentioned. And Lane Kiffin kind of helped us out this past weekend when talking about how they got DJ Durkin to leave Ole Miss and go to Texas A&M money. 
Um, I think we're kind of seeing the repercussions of NIL. Um, I think we're kind of seeing the repercussions of having your boosters kind of just throw a lot of money at these young kids. Um, I think a lot of programs now are just going to hope for the best in terms of recruiting, the ones that can at least, like Texas A&M did. And they're going to offer a lot of money to top recruits, regardless of if they are culture fits or not. Um, I would say that these three guys that have now got in trouble for the second time and are, I believe, suspended indefinitely. Um, yep, they are suspended indefinitely. They are probably not the culture fit that you would hope for. Um, I don't know if they would have issues at other schools, but I think this is kind of the repercussions of, okay, we just are getting all the best players and hoping that this works out. Um, we don't care if they had issues at their old high school because I know, for instance, Evan Stewart, there was a couple times in high school where he had issues. Um, I'm not really sure what the issues were, but he had issues in high school. And I also think this is kind of like the, how do I say this? Like the way that teams learn how to recruit in this era. Um, I think it's all good and fine to throw money at people, but I feel like you need to kind of realize who you're throwing your money at. And so if you're just throwing your money at a bunch of kids because they're good at football on the field, but not good off the field, um, when you have one bad apple, sure. I mean, it could, he, it could be balanced out, but when you have multiple bad apples, Sergio, what does that mean? It means you have too many bad apples. It means that your tree, well, I was going to say it means that your tree is rotten. If you have right, too many exactly. bad apples, it's not the bad apple. It's the fact that your tree is rotten. Exactly. And so I think this is kind of like a learning curve, uh, for a lot of coaches, because I think they probably just assumed whoever could buy the most players, would be in the best scenario, but realistically you're killing your culture. And so I don't know if this is the culture Jimbo had in yeah. mind. Um, I also feel like there's obvious, I think there's obvious ways to fix this Texas A&M situation. Um, there's no way they could fire him. Um, I mean, if they could afford that, then go for it. But I really think they just need to have the powers that be sit down with Jimbo and be like, you need to have someone else call the plays. Um, you need you could still Jimbo could still but have there's, a, but there's a, no incentive Borba there's there's no repercussions for that like what is he gonna say no okay buy me out yeah I mean it, it's that simple like there really is no one to check Jimbo Fisher right now he is a man who believes in his system he's clearly he's shown that he's a stubborn man mm -hmm. because he's clearly not making the changes necessary listen I was talking to my brother last night and he's an Oklahoma fan and we were talking about nil and he mentioned to me that on he was on on three and they give you like the average nil um Value. the average amount of nil money a player is getting right mm -hmm. so like he was talking about how texas is by far and away texas ut austin the school you're a fan of by far and away the most money nil per player it's something like two hundred and twenty thousand dollars. like it's a lot of money and i think i was telling him he made a good point. He said, we're either going to find out if Texas is going to be the school that throws a lot of money and is really good and everyone hates, or they're going to be the biggest joke because, excuse me, they spend all of the money, but they don't get the results. And I told them, and I'm making this comparison. I said, actually, Diego, I think that um, we already have that example. I think Texas, given the fact that they're struggling a little bit in, in games and they're blowing some leads and stuff, but there's some obvious progress there. It's Sark is working. Um, I, I think that next year is going to be a different season. Um, you know, in order to – you go from losing big to losing a little, from losing a little to winning a little, from winning a little to winning big. It's not an overnight change. I think Texas is floating between the losing a little, winning a little – but I think that that's an improvement to where they were. So I have faith in Texas. To me, it's it's working. It's showing. A&M is that other end of the perspective. A&M is we're spending all this money, but we're falling flat on our, on our face. It, it, it doesn't do you good to just spend money. You have to be smart with your money and know where to spend it. And like you said, they're giving these guys where we don't care about your discipline history. We don't really care about the character fit. We don't care about your history. We're going to just bring you in and we're going to try to just assemble the best team of ball players that we have. And clearly it's not working combined with the system that Jimbo's running combined with the booster culture at Texas A&M combined with the just no offense to A&M. If you're an A&M fan listening to this, I really truly mean no offense, but you guys think way too much of yourself. When in your history have you been an actual contender? You really haven't. You're just a really loud, rich eight and four team 
who overspends their money. And now you overspended your money incorrectly and you're in this situation that you're in now. So like it, it, it it's a self-awareness situation, you know, Florida, when, when we hired Billy Napier, it was, Hey, we are not the Florida that we used to be. And we can admit that we're big enough. We're man enough to admit that thing. And we are going to stay quiet. We are going to shut up and we're going to do the work so that in th- two, three years time, we can hopefully be at that point where we can, okay, we're back as Florida. Texas is doing that. Texas, since they hired Sarkeesian, has shut up, let them do the work, and got and gotten to gotten to work, laid the groundwork, and they're doing and they're improving. And you can see the results coming. You can see the process developing. You can see it all. AM is just talking and AM is just doing all these things and spending this money. And there's no results because there's never been results at Texas AM. I'm sorry to say it. I'm sorry to be so blunt. But it's never happened there, and the way that it's going right now, it looks like it's not going to happen in the near future. Yeah, and then if you if you want to go at us in the twitters in the Twitter world, um, you haven't had a winning season since 2011. I mean, not a winning season, a, a 10 or plus win season since 2012. Excuse me, and then you've only had two since 1998. So it it just listen. If you want to come at me in in on Twitter, that's perfectly fine, man. Like. At S-D-E-L-A-E-S. I will be more than happy to have a civil conversation with you. I'm not trying to insult you. I'm not anti-Texas A&M. Um, the cult jokes are still going to fly, though. I'm just saying. There's a cult. Uh, but seriously, have a discussion with me. I would love to have that conversation with you. Yeah, I think Texas A&M is kind of in a in between a rock and a hard place because it's not like they could go anywhere. Um, Jimbo's buyout is $85.9 million this year, $76.8 million next year. 67 million, 58 million, 48 million. Like his buyout is insane. His agent, a legend. Um, first of all, I'd like to sh- give a shout out to him. Um, absolutely legendary deal by him. <laughs> um, doesn't get much better than that. But I think people are going to learn from this Texas A&M experience. Or Sergio, if it just gets bad, maybe Texas A&M just takes it and fires Jimbo. Like they, maybe they just eat that contract. I, it would be insane to do, but maybe that's. I mean, what what's doing. what's the price of oil nowadays? Because that has a lot to do with it, and I'm not even kidding. Yeah, I mean, it'll be tough out there. Um, another top program that's kind of – I want to say they've had their struggles because they're currently undefeated, um, which is very interesting to talk about. But Clemson is currently in, in a familiar situation, if you will. They have a veteran quarterback that Dabo Sweeney is very loyal to who's struggling, um, DJ Uyungale. Google, whatever it is, DJU, if you will, um, had a rough game against Syracuse, to say the least. They were they were trailing by, I think, 13 at the most, and they hadn't scored in the second half until they put in the youngster, Cade Kublik. Now, Dabo has said that it is still DJ's job, but Sergio, how short of a leash do you think DJ has in the coming weeks um this week they play or actually they have a bye week um this week which is probably a good thing but next week they go notre dame louisville miami south carolina how short of a leash do you think dj has in these games i don't think he has a short leash at all i think this is one of the rare times where a coach is saying nope everything's fine after pulling a starting quarterback when they were losing the backup goes in to win the game and he says, nope, that's our guy. Everything's fine. I really believe Jim um, Dabo in this scenario. Really do. Truly, honestly believe him. And it's okay. because what I saw out of Cade Kublik, um, Kublik I, I didn't think it was this game-changer situation. This wasn't when Kelly Bryant got benched, Trevor Lawrence came in, and Trevor Lawrence immediately was, oh, oh, no, no, that's the guy. I, I think Cade threw four times in this game. Um, he game-managed the hell out of that game. Like It was, it was a game-managing masterclass. Two uh, and, and I think start. that Dabo okay. knows, yeah, Dabo knows what he has in DJ. And I think that he's going to just ride it out this season. Now, next year, next year with a camp and a development and a whole summer and all that stuff of Kate Klubik going in there. Yeah, I could see at the beginning of next season, Cade winning the job in training camp and starting next year as the quarterback at Clemson. But for the rest of the season, I think he knows exactly what's going to get out of DJ. I think DJ has improved through the over the course of the season. Um, apart from this last game, he kind of took a step back. But up until that point, I mean, I think I said it. I was like, I got to issue an apology because I think he's doing playing really well. Um, 
And yeah, I, I truly believe, I don't think there's any controversy right now. We can have that conversation in the off season going into 2023, but for the rest of this season, I think it's, I think it's pretty accurate. I think that's the situation. Yeah. I feel like I see, I personally think he had, I won't say a short leash, but I do think he has a first half leash, if you will. So if it's not looking good in the first half, it's going to be Clade or Clade, Cade to come out in the second. This really reminds me of Cade McNamara and JJ McCarthy from Michigan, um, where it was like everybody's clamoring for the young guy, but the older guy's doing good enough to keep the job. And uh, McNamara's case, he took Michigan to the playoff, which was good enough to get him there, but wasn't good enough to, like you said, fend off his backup during a full camp and um, position battle. But I do think, I feel like DJ has the tools. He's just, for some reason, isn't always able to put together. Um, I did tweet, though, just because I was being petty. Um, during the game, I was like, Real Mitchell is somewhere smiling, um, wherever he is. Because I don't know if you remember, there was a Netflix show by the name of QB1. And they would follow, I think, three or four high school kids per year. And Real Mitchell from St. John Bosco, which is like one of the premier powerhouses in the country in Southern California, um, they followed Real Mitchell for his senior year. And I want to say, like, towards the end of the season, Real was just getting straight up bench for DJ. And so I was like, this is kind of like, this is like Real's, like, his vengeance through someone else. He's living vicariously through Cade Klubnik. But, yeah, I think DJ has. Is that the show where Spencer Rattler got benched for something? Yeah, that it was Spencer Rattler. This, or this kicked show off was, the team, sorry. Yeah. Um, which they never said why, but this show is just full of cursed, like guys that were supposed to be it. Like you had your Justin Fields and Jake Fromm, who was good in college, but you also had your Tate Martell's, your Spencer Rattler, um, your Real Mitchell's. And it's just really interesting to see like, you know, stuff happens in high school, I guess. But yeah, like I said, first half leash. Uh, I don't think, I don't think Dabo wants DJ to be in a compromising position. Um, I don't know if he'll like full on give Cade the job, but I do think he will kind of push him a little bit to be like, you have this much time to like make something happen, make it happen. Cause I feel like he needs that pressure because if DJ, maybe if he thinks that he has the job, maybe he'll, he'll feel like too lax. Like maybe he needs to feel like someone's coming after him. Well, that's that's another reason why I think there's not really much of a leash, right? Because if that's true, if that's the I, the theory, then Jim, I keep saying Jimbo, we keep I keep having it on my mind. Then Dabo truly doesn't believe that there's an issue. You know, he's just saying, all right, he needs to kind of, you know, get get a fire underneath his belly because if that's the case, then there really is no worry. Then he knows that DJ is going to go out and he's going to produce how he wants him to and all that jazz. So, yeah. You know who else was on was on my mind? Deion Sanders. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Man, uh, if you don't. <laughs> although we might have to talk about him next week because game day is going to Jackson State. So he will probably be on our pick'em. We might have um, to talk about him next week. This is kind of like my new favorite segment, just because if you don't know, the playoff committee is voting for the first time next week. So be gone, AP poll and your weird rankings. Um but I like to kind of give – I like to look at teams and ask if they are for real or not for real. And that has kind of been a segment that me and Sergio have developed through the through the days. And so I think this is like the prime time because with the first playoff ranking coming out, we've seen most of these teams play at least seven games, some of them eight. And so, Sergio, it's time to discuss if someone is for real or if they're fraudulent and just have flown by with maybe some easy games, some lucky breaks. Um, so with that being said, let's start top four currently in the AP. Number four, Michigan. Are they for real or have they benefited from a week schedule, which I don't know if you saw the release of their next year's schedule, but by golly, they might as well be playing Turlock High School. Um, they, <laughs> they are not playing anyone special until I think Big Ten play. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I'm on the ladder there. I'm I'm telling you, they're they're going to be 11 and 0 going into rivalry week. Fox is going to hype this the the Ohio State Michigan game to the moon. They're going to love it. They're going to make it a centerpiece of their incredible weekend with World Cup and all these things. And then Ohio State's just going to take them to the curb and going to stomp them out and going to destroy them. So yeah, no, I I think. They're as fraudulent as you can 
as you can be as an 11 and one team can be, you know what I mean? They're still a good football team, but they're as fraudulent as an 11 and one team can be, will be, will be. Yeah. Honestly, I think what, what would make them fraudulent is if they dropped to Illinois the week before, like that would be like, you're fraudulent. That would be funny. Now that would be funny. Cause Illinois is 17, in the country six and one. Um, they will run. The thing about Illinois too is, is they, if they get a lead, they're literally just going to run the ball down your throat for the rest of the game. Um, with, I believe his name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chase Brown dude has nearly 200 carries already. Um, which is insane. I think Wow. this past game, I believe he had over 40. Yeah. He had 41 <laughs> attempts against Minnesota and 31 the, the game before so they will feed chase brown um i think michigan's kind of on that weird middle part where it's like they're not for real because i don't think they're beating any of like georgia um ohio state obviously i don't think they're beating tennessee i think would route them um even alabama who's out of the top five the, right now I, yeah i don't feel like that's there. the thing where like i think that they're the they're the best team outside of whatever the contenders are whether there's six or seven contenders to me, Michigan is the best team outside of that because there's no way that they can contend if they lose to Ohio State. Like, they have to beat Ohio State in order to be taken seriously and put in the playoff and stuff, you know? Yeah, and if we're talking about playoff stuff, that's all that matters at that, yeah. in this situation, in this conversation. You know why I don't trust AP poll? Because Clemson has a first-place vote. At how? Yeah, but, like, you got to just throw that out, dude. Like, come on. No, I'm just – Everything has an outlier. Everything has an outlier. I know. I'm just – AP poll be better. Come on. Um, <laughs> I feel like we've kind of hated on – I won't say hated on Clemson, but I think it's fair to say that neither me or you believe in Clemson as a legitimate team, um, at least not this year. I think they're kind of in that Michigan Correct. category where it's like they're good, but they're not amongst the best. I think they have just benefited from – Michigan and Clemson is going to be an incredible Orange Bowl. It's going to be Ooh. so much fun to watch. I, I'm being 100% serious. Yeah. I'm being 1,000% serious. It's going to be a great Orange Bowl game. Great New Year's Six game. Okay. Now we're going number seven, TCU. Uh, they were down again. Um, they've been trailing t- in the past two games. First time against Oklahoma State. Um, most recently against Kansas State. Ended up winning. Um, Kansas State did have their backup quarterback in. Are they for real? I thought they mm-hmm. – I feel like they're for real adjacent. And so I think based That's on – That's the best way to describe it. That's the best way to describe it, Borba. I agree. They have a very favorable schedule. If you look at their next few games, they go at West Virginia, who's three and four and really struggling. Their coach is probably going to get fired. Um, they host Texas Tech, who's meh, um, on their third string quarterback, by the way. Then they play Texas, who is the best test remaining on their schedule. Then they go to Baylor and then Iowa State. So they could very well, like, let, let's pretend that Texas beats them. They're. They're leaving the season eleven and one with a Big Twelve championship on the line. Um, they could end up in the playoff. I think that's not unrealistic. I think they could. It just it depends on what team they lose to, you know? Right. Um like they, you can't lose to Iowa State and no. expect that, you know? Or like like if they lose to West Virginia my issue with them is like they've come out flat twice now. And it happened to be against really good teams. And I so agree. Like, it's like, what are you doing to me? What are you doing to me? Um, but yeah, I think we'll go for real adjacent. Um, next, I I I think I owe Bo Nix an apology. I'm going to Oregon. I think they are for real. I think Georgia made them look fraudulent as it gets. Um, but first game, Bo Nix effect, bad Bo Nix effect. That's the last time we saw bad Bo Nix. And realistically, Oregon has they've they've handled every test that's been thrown at them. Um, they beat BYU when they were ranked, um, and they just handled UCLA, who was the last undefeated team. And it wasn't really close, as the score indicated. Like, Oregon was in control that whole game. I think I said this on Sideline Judgment this week, but I think I have to retire the good Bo Nix, bad Bo Nix principle. Wow. And I think I have to admit that it, it, good Bo Nix was always there. It was just... Auburn didn't really let him wow. show it all the time because of their system under Gus Malzahn. It's not really inducive to someone who can throw 45 times and have 450 yards and three touchdowns a week. Um, and I think that 
Georgia, like you said, I think that's the danger of scheduling big primetime games against the best teams in the country is that the perception right off the bat of you is that, oh, this is a bad football team. It's going to go horribly. And then you're just kind of out of the national conversation for a while. And Oregon has been able to work themselves back. The fact that game day was there last week, the fact that they beat a top 10 team in UCLA, um, giving them their first loss. They sit atop the, they sit squarely atop the PAC 12 standings. Yes, they do. Because again, their only loss this year is against Georgia non-conference. They have the best loss in the country. Well, okay. Alabama might have the best loss in the country, but outside of the sec, they have the best loss in the country when they play Georgia neutral site first week of the season. I think they're for real. I can see them if they run the table, if they win the PAC 12, um, and especially if the big 12, kind of has those roadblocks ahead, like talking about TCU maybe slipping up or something and no one comes out of there undefeated or with maybe everyone comes out of there with two losses. Yeah, I can easily see Clemson is not the team that we think it is this season. I would much rather see a one-loss Oregon who got blown out to Georgia by Georgia week one than an undefeated ACC champion Clemson this season in the playoffs. So yeah, I'm going to say they're for real in terms yeah, of the playoff discussion. Honestly, sure. the, their last three weeks, I'm going to be dialed in. Um, they have Washington, who's 6-2, and two, Utah, which will be a crazy game. Um, Utah handled them twice last year, so that'd be a little redemption for them. And then Oregon State, who is a, a sleeper 6-2. and two. Oregon State's like knocking on the door of being ranked. Um, so Oregon has some tests ahead of them, and we will tell in due time if they are legit or not. Um, we're going to stay within the top 15. You got number 13, Penn State. We're going to find out. I, I personally no. have called them fraudulent. No, 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 no. I don't believe it. Sean Clifford is still the quarterback at Penn State, and James Franklin is a fraud. That's my opinion. That's my, my opinion, Morba. Yeah, I, honestly, I was I, – I, while I wasn't going to sing it, um, they just have shown fraudulent signs. Um they only beat Northwestern yeah. by 10. Yeah. They got blown out by Michigan. Um, and we're going to find out this week if they're even remotely close to being for real because Ohio State is probably going to beat them by 30. Yep, so, completely agree. Fraudulent. Um, I, I, don't, see, I don't even think we're going to find out this week if they're for real. I'm telling you right now, Borba, book it. October 27th on a Thursday. They are not for real. <laughs> Consider it booked. Um, number 18, LSU, they start LSU. I think kind of, I think they were on the wrong end of people wanting Brian Kelly to fail because of his departure from Notre Dame, his fake accent, his previous scandals, at his, Notre Dame. Family. his family. Um, I just feel like everybody wanted Notre or well, everybody wants Notre Dame to fail too, but everybody wanted Brian Kelly to fail. <laughs> and, the first week they lost to Florida State and what looked like I mean, they played a terrible game. They had the game pretty much won had they not like done what they did. Um and then they've kind of limped through their schedule and then they got blown out by LSU. They beat you guys, Florida, and then they just beat Ole Miss, who was ranked seventh, which I think Ole Miss is fraudulent in terms of I think people thought they were a contender and I don't think that's what they are. Not this year. But is LSU a legit okay, team? Okay, I, I share the we'll, same. We'll go, okay, are they a real team as in, like, are they legitimately going to finish the season ranked? Like, they're not going to be contending for the playoff. Okay, I think L, I think LSU, this is the most interesting team on the list that we have today. I think LSU suffers from the exact same um, thing that Oregon suffered, which is an opening loss that makes them look bad. Now, Oregon was made to look incompetent, blown out. LSU was made to look inept, like they just couldn't get it together and all these things. They have shown that they are a better team, that they're working through issues. They had that close game against Auburn that they won. That game kind of turned the tide on their season. It kind of was a tough, gritty, on-the-road win coming back down 13 or 17 or whatever it was to win the football game. Um, but I think I think LSU is legit this season in terms of they're going to win nine or ten games. 
And listen, you have your opinions on Brian Kelly all you want as a person, as a personality, um, as a culture fit at LSU. But the man can coach some football. He's a ball coach. Okay, he he can get the most out of his players. I just think long term, I don't think he's going to be successful to the level that LSU wants them to be. Right? They want undefeated national championship, beating Ellis, beating Alabama, beating and beating all the rivals, all that stuff, beating Florida, all those things. Long term, I don't think it works out to that level. I think his floor every year will be eight wins. They're a good football team. He's a good football coach. Just being by being the nature, the nature of being LSU, they're going to get good talent. They're going to get good players. I just don't know that if they can get over the hump every single year. But this season, even though I don't think they're going to finish undefeated, um, they could get a win over. They have that win over Ole Miss. They could get a win over Alabama. We could see them in the SEC championship game this year. I don't see them beating either LSU or Georgia, which is going to be the East representatives in that side. Um, but I think this year they're for real. They'll be successful. I have always liked Jaden Daniels ever since his time at our, uh, Arizona State. I think he's doing well these past three, four weeks at LSU. Um, they're the most interesting team on this list for us. I think they're legit this season in terms of being a nine or ten win team. I think they're going to go to a good bowl game, whether it's a New Year's Six bowl game or whether it's if they make the conference championship game, they'll be in a New Year's Six Bowl game. But if they don't, then they'll definitely be on a January 1st, maybe, you know, the formerly known as the Outback Bowl or the Citrus Bowl, you know, one of those big bowl games on New Year's, on that January 31st, December 31st, January 1st time window, that kind of thing. So that's where I have LSU personally this season. But again, I want to reiterate, I don't think that they it works long term relative to what LSU is expecting, right? I'm not saying it's not going to be good. They're going to yeah. be a good con- a contender every year, but I just don't see them going undefeated and winning a national championship and stuff with Brian Kelly as their coach, even though they'll be a good football team every year. I think they'll be like Notre Dame in a way where it's like some years they overachieve and some years they're just, they get eight wins. Um, this year, I think, I think, but, I was- but, but he's, he's good for a consistent, he's good for eight wins a year. Like he really is good for eight wins a year, which is yeah. impressive. He's one of the better coaches in college football. It's an impressive thing to do. Um, yeah, I think at worst, yeah, I agree with you. at worst they have eight wins this year because their next two games are Bama, Arkansas, which I mean, they might lose one of them. They might lose. Are both. they, are they off this week? Yeah, they're off this week. They're off then, this week. Then they go to Bama next week or Bama comes to them. Death okay. Valley. What are they, what's their, well, hold on. Let's, let's play the, let's play the LSU schedule. I got it right here. So they go, this is, a, this is a team that's interesting. Alabama uh-huh. goes to LSU at, in the PM. Okay. I would say. 7 p.m. At the, at the current moment, to be safe, I would say that they lose that football. Who? It's a night game at LSU and, and Bama's. You know what? Let's be generous. Let's give it to them because the way that Bama's been playing this season, um, the game against Tennessee, um, the game against I just like the Texas five. road games. Yeah. Okay. So that puts them at seven and two if they or, beat if they beat Alabama or six and three. Um, but then they go to Arkansas. I know you don't. Okay. Let's, I think Ar- they win that game. I don't think, I don't trust Arkansas anymore. I'm really sad because we, we were both really Same. high on Arkansas. Same. And then they have UAB coming mm-hmm. in. Um, so they're either win. Um, they're either eight and two or seven and three, which isn't bad either. And then they get Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. And so right. they're either eight or nine, wins. which we both think we know is a win. Yeah. Right. So, eight or nine wins. I'm, I'm there for you. I'm there for you. Yeah. So I think, I mean, LSU, the way it started, I thought they were going to win like three games, honestly. Like, it just, the way their season started, it just seemed like, again, I think the the media, hate the media, um, <laughs> spoken by. Borba, it's, Borba, you mean nine nine or ten wins, because they have six right now. Right. What I said? Nine or ten. And there's four games left. Sergio, there's a reason. You I said right. eight or nine, yeah. So it's there's nine or ten wins, because I think they beat Bama, so I think they win their last four games of the season. I think they win out. And you think they lose to Bama but win the other three. So it's nine or ten. Yep. So, I mean, even if they lose three of them, that's still well, solid. Well, if they, if they win out, if they win out, they're playing in the conference championship game. Oh, yeah. Because they would hold tiebreakers over Alabama and um, Ole Miss. Um, yeah. And they would only have one conference loss. 
That's insane. So they would hold the tiebreaker over both of them. So they went out. They went out. They're going to be in Atlanta. I think Oregon and LSU are the two teams that got wronged the most by a first week loss because Oregon was like. Completely agree. Completely agree. Everyone was calling for Dan Lanning's job. Everybody was like, Brian Kelly's not going to work here. And so I think maybe, maybe the media overreacted. Maybe. It's rare that they do that, but you never know. (laughs) So now it's time for our pick 'em before we wrap up. Um, first game on the docket, we got Ohio State and Penn State. I think we both, considering we both called Penn State fraudulent, I think we're going to go Ohio State. Yeah, absolutely. What are we? What, what are we doing here? <laughs> yep. Um, Oklahoma State visiting Kansas State. Hot win last week for Oklahoma State. Kansas State kind of. Kansas State's favored. I will say that they're favored by one and a half. I think Oklahoma mm-hmm. State covers that. I would pick, um, them, pick them to cover or win, whatever you want, or both. I'll take I'll take Oklahoma State because are we sure that we're going to see Adrian Martinez? Are we sure of you know quarterback situation for Kansas State? Are we sure that's working? And I really liked the energy and the comeback from Oklahoma State against Texas last week. So I'll, I'll take the Cowboys in this one. Yeah, um, we're going to your neck of the woods, kind of the bounce house. Uh, number twenty, Cincinnati, visiting UCF. Uh, UCF is favored again by one and a half. Uh, a lot of one and a half point games this week. Yeah, uh, Cincinnati's ranked, which is also interesting. So, so last week, so if UCF was took care of business against ECU on the road, this is where game day would have gone to Orlando to cover this game. But because they choked and they turned the ball over three times in the first half and were in a 17-point hole that they couldn't recover from by halftime, they didn't. And so it's going to Jackson State now. This game is going to decide the American, in my opinion. Um, The winner of this game will be in the conference championship game. That's just how I see it. Um, And then Temple will probably be the other – Tulane, I'm sorry, will probably be the other team that gets there. But, yeah, this is very interesting. Cincinnati last week really struggled they barely beat uh an smu team that ucf boat raced uh a few weeks ago at home i have ucf here because i i am i don't have firsthand experience of it but i do have adjacent experience of watching this big ucf games with people who are ucf fans that crowd is legit that crowd shows out they understand this is the biggest game of the season for them and Cincinnati, this isn't the, this isn't the Cincinnati team from last year. They lost a lot of pieces. They're still a good football team. Still a yep. very good football team. Let me let me say that. But um, if UCF wins, they would have they would have you know they still only have one American loss, and it would give Cincinnati one American loss. But UCF would have the tiebreaker over them. So I I like UCF in this game. Interested to see how John Rice Plumley plays if he can bounce back. Um, I am simply but a man once again saying Mikey Anderson is, should be playing quarterback for UCF, but instead he's not because he doesn't run as much as John Rice Plumley, And that's because um, Gus Malzahn, as great of a recruiter as he is offensively and as smart and as good as his system works when it works, he is very much like Jimbo Fisher in terms of being stuck in his ways. So take that with what you will. I hope it works out for UCF. Um, I will be taking UCF in the game. I'm very much on the John Reese Plumley hype train just because he is really the, I am I, not. He's electric when he's on. When he's off, he's horrible to watch. When he's off, I want to gouge my eyes. That's out. yeah. <laughs> it it is. And and the thing is that his his passing is not as good as what it needs to be you, at you, that you, level. Not at the UCF about yeah. to go into the pet big twelve level play. I you like would, Mikey Anderson's arm. Um you would think that that's why would be better, better passer than he is, but like he literally You plays, would think, right? But he wasn't a pitcher, he was an outfielder. So I mean it's true. It's just you think he'd be able to sling mm-hmm. the rock a little. Um uh, I just think Cincinnati's due for a slip up. Um they only beat Tulsa by ten, they beat USF by four, and then SMU by two. So I feel like they're just playing these really close games, and I feel like it's gonna come back to bite them eventually. Um well, that's why the line is only one and a half. That's why the line is only one yeah, and a half. So, for sure. Um, then we have Kentucky visiting Tennessee. Kentucky could have been a team that we did for real or for not for real. Um, I don't think they're for real at all. I think I honestly think this game's at Neyland Stadium, seven p.m. 
I think it's going to be absolutely buzzing on, and I think Tennessee blows them out. I'll be taking Kentucky. Wow. Wow. No, no further questions at this point. Okay. Uh, I do have a further question just because Will Levis compared himself to Josh Allen. Thoughts? No. <laughs> Thank you. Um, moving on. We I, have... I, I do want I do want to say though two two seconds, Borbo. I do yeah, want to say Kentucky's coming off a bye week. LSU runs a very similar offensive identity to Ole Miss, and if Kentucky didn't shoot themselves in the foot multiple times in that game against Ole Miss, they would have won the game. I understand that uh, Tennessee is out here saying it feels like ninety eight again. I get it. You deserve to feel that way. You have a really good football team this season. But matchups make fights. Matchups decide games. And I think we're throwing away how good of a coach Mark Stoops is. I'm not saying that this is a blowout by Kentucky. Uh, I'm not saying I'm not 100% confident that Kentucky wins. But this game is going to be a game in the fourth quarter. It will be a game. I'm telling you this right now. That is what will happen. I am hoping the ball bounces my way and Kentucky wins. But this will be a football game, Borba. I don't think it's going to be a blowout situation. That is my take. That is my take. See, honestly, I just... I'm I'm taking Kentucky for the game, for this game. But that is how I see it. I honestly imagine Tennessee going up two touchdowns and Kentucky's going to try to run the ball or run their stupid play action stuff. And then, sure, maybe they get a field goal or something. And then Hendon Hooker is going to throw the ball three times down the field, and they're already scoring again. And then Kentucky's just on the sideline. Like, I see it. No, I like shook. There's a world where that happens. There's a world where that happens. But I, I, I think you're. I agree with you. I think Kentucky as a whole is a fraud. I don't think they're as good, but I do believe that this is a good matchup for them coming out of the bye with Mark Stoops drawing up the strategy. Yeah. Just saying, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Sergio, yes or no, is Kentucky a basketball school? Yes. That's all I need to know. Um, moving on. <laughs> Our final game of the pick'em, just because you could game, argue Tennessee is also a basketball school. <laughs> you could. You very well could. But I'm only arguing this because there was an argument. there was a legit. Well, no, argument. what they are is what they are is a baseball school. That's true. Just not in not when it comes to Omaha. Um. <laughs> oh, yikes! Hey, um, it's all fun and games to be all showboaty and stuff, but you at least better win. Um, just saying. Mm-hmm. Final game, just for the sake of rivalry, Michigan State, Michigan. Michigan's favored by twenty-two and a half. Michigan, what are we doing here? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I just had to do it for the rivalry. Oh, we could do Penn State, Ohio State. Just kidding, we already did. Um. Yeah, this week is on <laughs> down week. I I don't like to say there's down weeks of football, but this was if there was one, it would be this one. There's just not a lot of. I want to thank you for for leaving Florida Georgia off of the list. I really appreciate I, that. I didn't want to do it to you. I just really didn't want to. I yeah. I I, I thank you. I appreciate. I looked you. at it and I was like, should I? And then I was like, no, that's rude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anything to add before we head on out, Sergio? Yeah, we're recording today on Thursday. We are entering the time when Cormani McLean is about to announce his commitment. Um, I'm hoping by the time you hear this, he is committed to the Florida Gators, number one two player in the country behind mm-hmm. only Arch Manning. Archibald. Um, number one player in the state of Florida, number one corner in the country. Um, Billy Napier's whole recruiting pitch was we have to lock down Florida again. I think we have the most recruits in the country that are relative within like something like 150, 200 miles of the school. Um, Cormani McLean goes to Lakeland. Lakeland is a traditional pipeline school for Florida. The Pouncey twins went to Lakeland. I think Percy Harvin went to Lakeland. So, you know, I'm hoping that pipeline gets reestablished and I'm hoping he's a Gator because my theory, and this is just my like theory out there is that, um, Cormani told Napier like two, three weeks ago that he was committing and Napier said, cool, why don't you announce it the Thursday before the Georgia game? Because we're not going to get good PR 
on the weekend. So we might as well get some great PR a couple days beforehand and get ahead of it. Yeah. So that's my theory. I'm hoping it works out. Um, I'm hoping he picks Florida. The other two options are Alabama and Miami. Um, I don't see it being Miami. And so I I really think it's Saban or, or Florida. And yeah, I'm just hoping the Gators can land them, get some positive momentum. It would definitely shoot us into the top five recruiting rankings. Um, we're sitting at eight right now on the on three composite. So, yeah, here's here's the hoping. Here's uh, that you, by the time you listen to this, Cormani McLean is committed to the Florida game. That's my that's my last little thoughts and prayers. Um, this has been the Tailgaters Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Bowler. He's Sergio Estrella. Um, you can find these episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to rate us um, five stars. Share it with your friends. And yeah, we will have everything you need to know about college football every week. See you guys next week. clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time because messes happen because hey listen remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation and you were like I'm serious if that leaks over the counter it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back and I was like yeah 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 of course don't worry about it I won't forget (laughs) well oh yeah that happens so start clean with Clorox use Clorox products as directed rinse after use if in contact with food service